Those stories are definitely not for the timid soul. So we tell you calmly and very sincerely, if you frighten easily, turn off your radio now. Okay, let's get a good one. Do you want to practice your lines with me? No, I know. You look great, honey. Thanks. Um, does he want me to keep going until I come? Yeah, you just come when you're ready. Where should I do it? What do you want? Wherever you tell me. Well, come on my tits if you can, okay? Just pull it out and do it on my stomach and my tits if you can. Yeah, no problem. Material Podcast. I'm Tom Carnell. I'm Heather Buckley. And I'm Langley West. And today we have a guest. Yay! Yay. Uh, Lisa Vendere, correct? Is that, am, I, am I right in the pronunciation of that? Uh, no, it's actually Lisa Vandiver. So. There you go. <laughs> I know. First ad, I had one shot at it. I fucked it up. Um, Lisa is the co-founder and director of Cinekink Film Festival in New York. Or New Jersey? It's in New York. Okay. And that's running March 14th through 19th. That is correct. How many uh, how, you, what, uh, how many years have you guys done that? Uh, this is year 14 coming up. Nice. So. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Amazing. Cool. just happens again and again. And um, I'm sort of in the birthing pang phase right now, so... Right. So this might be the last, but we'll see. Nah. Yeah, I bet you you say that after the end of every. Right? We're at, at every <laughs> single festival. You go. We're not doing this again. That's how it is with bleeding. I just said like... that like a few minutes ago. <laughs> We're not doing this again. What was I thinking? So uh, tell me about Cinekink. Okay. By the, by the way, real, real quickly, today's episode number one twelve. We're gonna we're gonna look at the porn film or the adult entertainment film and um look at it objectively and and talk a little bit about cinekink but also talk about whether or not these films can be quote-unquote considered cinema mm. yeah. and okay. we'll, we'll, but we'll get to that i'm sorry i, I interrupted you tell me about cinekink well cinekink uh as you said is the kinky film festival um founded in 2003 and uh just sort of the point of it was to promote uh, kink-friendly, sex-positive films. Uh, it grew out of, I was involved with National Coalition for Sexual Freedom, and we're doing a lot of action alerts about bad content. So I started thinking about, well, there's got to be some good stuff out there. Mm-hmm. Um, looked really hard uh, and started finding stuff. And then um, over the years, sort of became an inspiration for filmmakers to make sex-positive content. So we're now a destination festival for that genre or type of film. I think it's great. I think it's like normally your first exposure to this kind of stuff is is in loops and in short things these days you find on the Internet. Right. Um, And usually that's a little handled. The topics usually handle a little ham-fistedly. We'll call it that. (laughs) Well, in the end, and and that's the thing, right? Is that 
at least at one time, and I don't and I don't know if this still happens anymore or not. But at one time, uh, a, a porn movie was uh, a movie. I mean, it was a you know there was a story, there was a plot. There, it, it was just that the exploitative element that you had in it, instead of being horror or violence or whatever. Whatever you know that your genre was, it was, was a lot was of sex. tab A into slot B stuff, like <laughs> IKEA. <laughs> no, man. I mean, like at like at one time, you know, you'd go to the theater along, you know, in the same theater that you'd see Jaws or The Exorcist, and you'd see <laughs> Deep Throat. Or it, it it wasn't it wasn't as for 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 lack of a better word taboo um, to go see a porn film, mm-hmm. or at least. At least there was a golden age of that, right? There were sort of the porn theaters that were underground. And then in the 70s, with Deep Throat and sort of the, the porn of chic, um, right. there was an embracing of that. Well, that was a narrow window. Well, let me get a couple things out of the way first that's going to sort of bring us up to speed. Number mm-hmm. one, adult films earn billions of dollars a year. There's 11,000 titles released every year. Uh, it, as soon as there was film, there mm-hmm. was pornography. I got names like, uh, kids, look them up. Eugene Pirot, Albert Kirshner, who did a uh, seven-minute striptease called La Coucher de la Marie in uh, 1896. Same year, Fatima's Coochie Coochie Dance was available. <laughs> um then Johann Schwartzman and Saturn Film Company from 1906 to 1911 produced 52 films. Most of these were, were things that you just, little minute stuff. After that, you get the introduction of kinescopes. You get the introduction later of 8mm uh, and Super 8 films which in the 50s, which brought it home. Um, or, or you were able to shoot films at home that you sure. could have developed if you knew the right processor. Then you had loops. In the 60s, you had the European Scandinavian invasion. 70s was is, is universally, I think, if you would agree with this, Lisa, considered the golden age of porn. Yep. That's uh, definitely yeah. Then in the 80s, I'm bringing you up to speed really fast, kids. Um, in the 80s, home video was introduced. You were able to go and rent films at places as innocuous as Warehouse and bring them home. I used to work at Warehouse and was a adult mm. film buyer there for a long time. Um yeah. There and was, then the introduction of the internet, and that changed everything. And we'll get through all of that. Um, there was always the in in the in the mainstream video store. There was always the little section that had a curtain. Yeah, sure. You know that. Yeah, you, know. Yeah, you must be this. Age. And the funny thing is, is that can the same thing could be considered it, uh, about a lot of this stuff. The same thing could be said, I should say. The internet. As soon as there was internet, someone put their dick on it. Uh, a picture of their dick on it. So, as soon as there was able the ability to send pictures on the phone, dick pic. <laughs> So, so it's always followed, you know, as soon as there was the written word, there was erotica. So it's always been there, but we kind of have always turned a, 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 a disdainful eye to it. We being culture. So. Oh, we turn a brink, uh, a winking brown eye to it. Yes. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Um, so uh, before we get too far down that road, I do want to ask you something about Cinekink though. You're so it's purely, these aren't, like loops or whatever they're 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 they're, they're features features yeah. or short are they are there any Fe- short films features and shorts and i should clarify that um actually it's maybe a third explicit material kind of mix it up mm-hmm. um there's some stuff that would be considered porn 
right. or films that do have explicit sex scenes in them, narrative, documentary. You know, um, I went to a New York erotic film festival once and I saw Chuck Vincent. I don't know if you're familiar with this. Chuck Vincent <laughs> did a film called Orange. And um, all it was was a close-up of a woman's hands peeling an orange in yep. slow motion. And it was one of the hottest things I've ever seen. That's the amazing thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And particularly in context with other films, um, it's sort of the whole becoming uh, very sexy. We have something like that mm-hmm. up against an actual sex film. Yeah, it doesn't have to all be a gynecological exam, you know? What Bobby Slayton says, he he looks at porn that the girls' gynecologists would look at and go, what is that? <laughs> and that really bums me out because it turns so many people off to the overall, uh, they, they come to it with this sort of jaded, not jaded, but sort of a tainted perspective of what they're seeing. Um, well, so much of it is formulaic. So, yeah. But it's oh, yeah. an issue with any kind of film. You know, Formula Hollywood movies versus art films. Mm-hmm. The approach is what makes it different. So what it's like the... when you talk about horror films, a lot of people just, like, civilians who are not in that world just think horror is a slasher film. And a horror isn't anything else. And then when they see stuff like Exorcist and Rosemary's Baby, they go, that's not a horror film, though. Well, Do you have that? Do you have people confused saying, that's not pornography or that's not erotica? Because it's actually good and has a story. And they don't understand it can be defined as something bigger. Lisa? What's that? It can be something bigger, definitely. Well, the the idea is that people are coming to it as something that they just assume porn is this one thing, and you're showing them that um, erotica and eros could be just so many things. Yeah. I have a time with the word erotica, actually. but um, You what? I have a hard time with the word erotica because it just has that connotation of sort of gauzy lenses and mm-hmm. <laughs> more artsy. Lady Chatterley's Lover. And right. Kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think Sturgeon's Law applies, right? 99.9% of everything in the universe is shit. So right. I think I think with anything, you, you've got you've got your slashers and then you've got, like with horror, you got your slashers, but you got your, your elevated films. And I think the same thing applies. It's unfortunately with, 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 uh, with adult cinema, it all gets lumped into that raincoat covered mm-hmm. basket which is weird um i was shocked i, I back in the day as, again at the, the video store it was it wasn't the creepy dudes that were coming in it was like it started to become couples that were coming in and choosing the film together sure you know? well, um, as it should be yeah people have that perception about cynic ink before they come for the first time and you know they're waiting for the raincoat guy lurking in the back mm-hmm. and i don't think we've ever had a raincoat guy show up um, right. Probably 50% women, maybe even more than that, couples. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, it's really great. Well, you know, there are those, there used to be, like, I remember hearing about collectors. John Mayall, the guitar player, is a big collector. Uh, Pee Wee Herman is a big collector of, of like, really vintage, old, like, tintypes and stuff like that. Corey mm-hmm. Jackerman was. Yeah. Well, Ackerman, I have a feeling, collected everything. <laughs> was, was that intentional, Heather? It was. He had an entire room filled with erotica. When some people were giving up stuff from his estate, they sent me some stuff, and I have some of Forey's erotica. No, I meant... I meant up stuff from the day. Wow. I meant you calling him Jackerman, as opposed to Ackerman. That's funny. Ackerman. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's funny. Um, 
Yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, yeah, I see a lot of people forget there were the remember the smokers. I mean, no, I'm saying remember to a bunch of young people, but smokers <laughs> were where like guys would get together and they watch. I've always thought watching porn with all guys, yeah, it's just just sleep together. <laughs> um, films. It's like Rogan says if if I'm in a room with another guy and one of us has an erection, <laughs> it, it's a thing. Yeah. Um, but uh, see, it was and I, I it, like I don't I don't. I don't feel that at all. Oh, I, I, yeah. Well, that's a whole other story. Um, but, but it started to graduate. I mean, remember the, the nudie beachy pictures? The name that comes to mind is Doris Wishman, who uh, right. was a female director that did uh, a ton of stuff. Um, well, you know, uh, I, I think what's really cool now is that the, and, and, and this may have, this may have been going on for for quite some time. I don't know, but I, one of the things I think is really cool is that we're no longer just relegated to um, certain certain types of sexuality in in the adult film. So mm-hmm. you know, if whatever your personal fetish or kink or what, whatever it is that you enjoy um, that 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 you know flips your trigger um, is available to you. Whereas at one time, stuff like that, <laughs> kink and things that are, you know, air quotes here, outside the norm, um, you know, you, it, was, it, was like a, it was like a donkey film, right? You know, it was, and, and now, um, you know, I think, I think that uh, Americans and, and maybe the world has, has come to the point where it's okay to say, you know, I like this and this is what gets me off and it may not even necessarily be what you are into in your everyday life it's that's the type of um erotic material you well you have it these days you have uh terry cruz the actor he was in he's in brooklyn 99 mm-hmm. he was in a lot of stuff he has gone and said that he's had a problem he's come out in interviews and says i've had a problem with internet porn mm-hmm. um so but it, while on one hand you think really, but on the other hand you, you you say that's how normalized it's become, that we can have those. Yeah. Dis- dis- so, yeah. yeah. The thing that's amazing is how categorized everything is. Yeah. Um, researching titles and just these obscure riffs on things, and then uh, like the description synopses. Sometimes I'll be editing them, editing them for the use in the program, and just you know it's like anal, um, black girl. And just these very specific. It seems you know, so. It's so weird. Uh, someone once said about how no matter what your kink, now with the internet, there's a, there's a support group for it. Sure. There's a bunch of other I people disagree. out there. I disagree. I've never been able to find sort of like 1940s kind of like noir gangster porn. There's like one collection of a, of sort of uh, Eros literature out for that. But things that I like, I have never been able to find. Well, there you go. I watch things like David Cronenberg's <laughs> Crash and Dead Ringers, and I have no idea who's making. But Lisa and I discussed this before, because while she uses the term sex positive, a lot of the stuff that I like is, is uh, sad sex. Mm-hmm. Or well, it's upsetting. Well, I, I seem to remember back in the 90s a film called Crybaby that was released, and it was just... Uh, scenes where the woman was crying, and I thought, "Wow, that caught me by surprise." I didn't see that one coming. That was a porn title. Yeah, 
Yeah, it was it was just um, for whatever reason. Oh, my parents are going to find out. Weep, 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 and then <laughs> then you're into this whole thing, and it's just it was very odd. Um, I got that from uh, what's his name? Damn it, son of a porn guy. Son of a porn guy. Son of a porn guy. Son of a porn. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Um, I want to talk a little bit about some titles that that sort of are important as we sort of get current. I'm Curious Yellow in 1967. Mm -hmm. Um, 69, you've got Warhol releasing Blue Movie. Uh, And you also, a year later, have a movie called Mona the Virgin Nymph by Bill Osco, who Hmm. went on to direct things like Flesh Gordon and the uh, Alice in Wonderland thing that... um, the musical that came out, the adult film, quote, slash musical. Right. Which was actually fun. Well, and, and you know, and, and and stuff like that, all, you know, led to things like um, Caligula. Well, before uh, that, you've got in this early 70s, you've got Deep Throat, Devil and Miss Jones. Uh, and in 73, there was Miller versus California, which was a law case that said that obscenity is not protection, but it gave us the Miller test. It's a three-pronged mm-hmm. test. Number one, does it appeal to purian interest? Number two, no offensive or excretory functions. And it does it have artistic merit? As long as something passed those that criteria, it wasn't considered obscene. When did, uh, when did obscenity laws go away, or have they? Uh, 1987, California versus Freeman. It legalized, quote-unquote, again, air quotes, legalized hardcore pornography. Two, uh, one year after the AIDS sort of thing landed sure. in our lap. Um, but in the late, in mid seventies, you had things like the Mitchell brothers and the O'Farrell theater, which was a, a carnival. <laughs> Having been to the O'Farrell theater back in the day, back in the nineties, eighties, nineties, it was something. Um, Lisa, Lisa, would you say that, um, through your programming that, uh, people have come to um, uh, know what it is that your festival is looking for, or are you just are you getting Ass Blasters fourteen uh, along with all film. these? Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't get too many of those. And in fact, um, the kink in the name—I mean, my my perception is much broader than others. Perhaps for me, it's just anything sort of outside of the main uh, heteronormative if you will. Mm-hmm. So we'll get stuff that's just targeted towards BDSM, whereas I'm open to a much broader range. But we're not getting the... Well, we did in the beginning. We did used to get a lot more of just like the big porn. I think we were even getting VHS then. So, you know, I get a four-hour movie. I'm supposed to try to figure out where to show. Sure. Right, right, right. Wow. And, but also the idea of, of Sin King is that I, I assume you also embrace the four-hour movie, The Loop. You also embrace the uh, the guy in the raincoat, do you? Um, we do embrace it. We don't – the guy in the raincoat is welcome to come as long as he understands. He, he keeps a raincoat on. Worms <laughs> around other people. Um, the four-hour movie doesn't happen anymore. We did that. I think our last – we did a three-and-a-half-hour movie um, – and it was a story of O adaptation. Oh and wow! These are just not designed to watch in the theater with other people, and mm-hmm. they'll have a twenty-five minute cunnilingus scene, and it's just excruciating. But, for, but from a philosophical standpoint, you guys don't, because I think a lot of times when we talk about in other genres, and I'll speak to horror like elevated genre, a lot of it is a removing of the thing of mm-hmm. which it is. 
but in Sin Kink, there's a there's a bigger embracing of what you guys are actually showing, and your audience, and what you're interested in, which I, which I always find is fascinating. What I'm noticing is um, directors are getting a little more savvy about providing festival cuts, where they cut down the sex, um, which from my standpoint, I think works better in that setting. Um, but it is kind of changing the work as a whole. You know, it's very different what you're going to watch at home with your partner versus what you're willing to sit through in the theater. Would you, can, can you think of a title uh, maybe from this, from the last uh, Cine Kink that might surprise people that, that it was there? Hmm. Not really. Um, um, because, surprising. Okay. Well, in, in that, it's, in that it's not uh, um, a, a, for lack of a better word, porn film. That it has an element that, um, because you were saying earlier that you know about a third of your uh, submissions are, are uh, explicit material. What right. what else might one see there? Um, well, I mean, like this year we're doing uh, 15th anniversary of secretary, so a narrative film that's about sex sure. would be included. So I don't know that that's necessarily surprising. Um, hmm. Hmm. Documentaries about sex, so so it's not just the porno itself per se. Sure, I'm gonna I'm gonna plow through my timeline. <laughs> uh, '80s introduction of uh, home video, VCRs, home cameras, video. We talked about that. February of '84 was the first AVN award, adult film video. Um, I've been to a few of those in Vegas when you worked. There? Yeah, when I worked in Vegas, it, it was funny because. You know, earlier you were talking about how um, as soon as a particular technology would happen, there would be porn um, related to it. And actually, I, I think I found that um, a lot of times the adult entertainment industry is at the forefront of technology. Like like when uh, when Blu-ray, uh, remember the war that was going on between Blu-ray and what was the other format, high def? Uh, uh, um, whatever it was, they, like before... Uh, your before you could go to the video store and get, you know, uh, Gone with the Wind on, you right. know, y- you you had adult titles. Well, part of the defining factor in the VHS versus Beta War right. was that the adult film industry sort of embraced VHS, yeah, and that sort of bolstered it, and that's why it became the predominant format. Um, one of the things I want to talk about, because, but since we're talking about home um, home watching. Um, there was a company called Femme Productions back in the 80s. It was run by Candida Royale. And it was the first, uh, who, who just died maybe six, eight months uh, ago? It was about a year ago. About a year yeah. ago. Um, it was female, quote, it was directed at the female marketplace because so much of, of, of the cinema wasn't. Sure. And uh, so it made a big deal. It made a big, it made, I remember in the video stores, it was, it was a big deal that suddenly it wasn't, it wasn't like, Hey, I'm here to wash your, your, your yard or whatever. It right. was more, it was more um, in tune with a sensuality as opposed to just, again, slot, uh, tab A into slot B mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Um, didn't I, use, I'm sorry, go ahead, Lisa. I was just going to say, Candida really pioneered that of, like courting a female audience or courting the couple's audience, as it's known. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, you know, now there's a whole 
they throw the different terms around, but now it's feminist porn or ethical porn. So that's sort of come out of her original work in the 70s and 80s. Yeah, and, and the films themselves that they put out were, were great. I mean, you know, they, they were didn't have that sort of patina of sweat yeah. <laughs> that you sometimes get with normal. It was tasteful sweat. Yeah, there we go. Tasteful sweat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That'd be yeah. a good name for a company. Tasteful but, sweat. Um, yeah. Then in the 90s, you have the internet, and that introduced us to pay sites, video hosting, and what's what's both good and bad is peer-to-peer file sharing, stuff like Napster and and um, uh, a lot of... Uh... There was well, a the bunch of them. Sites. Say that again? The Pornhub sites? Yes. And that's really decimated a lot of the industry. Right. I, I just heard, in fact, Neil Brennan was just talking about, um, on his new comedy CD, he said about porn, he goes, we're good. There's so much out there that we're kind of good. I don't mm-hmm. agree with that. I think with all new artists and new interpretations, you get a different spin on the ball, which is always going to be interesting. Um, but I get I get the point. Uh, 98, formation of the Adult Industry Medical Health Care Foundation. Um, it was providing uh, AIDS tests and STD tests. A big name in that you guys might want to look up is a woman named Sharon Mitchell, who was a an actress and then transitioned over to the to the whole uh, AIDS screening. Um, unfortunately, that closed in May of 2011 after a data breach, hmm. and a lot of names got released. One of the things that I've uh, that I really like. Um when you look at the at the porn industry is how many um actors actresses transition out of um acting and into uh into roles behind the camera and and become forces uh their own studio heads a, a, yeah their own studio heads and and also um uh, it just uh, forces in the sex positive community in general. Uh, people like Nina Hartley, who sure. you know, uh, Belladonna uh, has her uh, own company. Annie Sprinkle, Annie who, Sprinkle. who, who um, basically take on a role of uh, helping people um, in in whatever fashion it might be. Well, I think them having been there. Like, Belladonna tells the story of her first uh, group scene where she had no idea what was happening. She walked in a room, there was a bunch of people, and she was like, oh. So these people are sort of helping to make that not not the norm, right. where I think it had been the norm before, back in the day. Well, I mean, we've all heard the, the horror stories of, you know, actors being forced to do things on camera right. that they, they you know that they didn't want to do and, and felt powerless <clears throat> because of their situation. I don't think that's as much the case anymore, but I'm sure it's still I mean I, when I was when I was in Vegas and, and there was plenty of porn usually for the internet and that type of thing being produced in the hotels. Um, you would see people in these abusive relationships um, and it was not unlike seeing um it was not unlike seeing um prostitution and and how uh, the well look the at or, people um, in the sex industry look at ordeal the lovelace book right that that is not a a, a positive environment no, in no. stretch lisa do you i i don't know how much you know about that is that oh. becoming less and less the case 
I think so. I think because it's become such a business and an industry, there's a lot more support and awareness out there. I think abuse certainly still happens, and you have somebody you know, coming from the hinterlands and falling into bad setups. But um, you know, there's also a, a lot more discussion about it and mm-hmm. people looking at each other. So, and kind um, of you're noting, more and more women producers and directors, sort of. So it's it's just not the Again, our raincoat guy. Right, right. Uh, I think it's interesting yeah. that you have on one hand um, things like that we were discussing with Candida Royale and the sort of sex positive things. But in the sa- on the same side of the coin, modern day, you've got people like Max Hardcore and you've got the really extreme um, sexualities of like gagging and gaping and that kind of stuff. Um, so I don't think it's been completely... Uh, eradicated but i think it's been balanced well by I, a more rational outlook but i would i would i would argue though that that uh the, the content of of the um uh for lack of a better word erotica um doesn't necessarily reflect uh, a, a uh, an unwillingness to participate so you know uh there are well, um, there are companies that specialize in like you know uh, quote unquote extreme or brutal gang uh, mm-hmm. gangbang. Well, look uh, at the videos. career of Sasha Gray and and people you know and interviews with you know the people who are involved with those are like they're they're there for a reason. They're there right. because they want to do that, despite the fact that it looks that it might look horrific. And by the way, I use the word porn not derogatorily. I just want to, I, I feel like I need to say that. I, I, I use it because it's a handy handle to sure. get my hand on something. So before anyone anyone writes in. Um, Lisa, are you also involved with the Sex Positive Center in New York? Um, no. In fact, there's one in, there isn't one in New York, I don't think. Really? Yeah. There's, Which is, we tried to get one going, but it's uh, the... Problem is real estate, so sure. to get us. Um, there's several around the country. There's San Francisco, Seattle. We have one here in, in Bellingham. Well, there you go. Yeah. Two people. <laughs> nah, no, it's not two people. Uh, one of the things I do when I get your take on is the NC17 rating, mm-hmm. and uh, I do, I it befuddles me why genre and and. And film in general doesn't embrace it more. Other, I mean, I understand the idea that advertising becomes tricky and, and getting the and word out. But in this day of Twitter and Facebook and online social media, it's not as hard to get the word out anymore. Um, but I just wonder about that. I mean, it, it's, it just seems like this thing on the table that no one ever wants to, do it, to, to deal with. Yeah, I- I get that. I, in fact, at one point wanted to go into making films like that and embrace it. Mm-hmm. And it was actually NC-17 Productions. Mm. Um, didn't quite go through that. But for me, my favorite films are the ones that you have a basic narrative film into which you're um, adding explicit sex. So it's right. more realistic. Well, so it's not like, oh, you cut away from it. But it's like a, a novel where you're reading and it's sexy for a while and then you go back to day-to-day life and then it's sexy again. Once again, so. the criteria being any inclu- anything that's being included in your narrative should move that narrative forward. Exactly. If, if we're stopping as a, on a, at a rest stop just for a moment to have this moment or this scene, it seems like 
gratuitous and kind of wedged in. However, you can't remove, for exact example, sexuality from the aforementioned story of O. I would I would say that you may have answered your own question there because it's it's harder, it's more work, it's more difficult to to figure out how to work this sex scene well, in. It- same thing like what a breakfast scene in a film. So if exactly. family's getting out for breakfast, everything stops to sort of watch this tedium happen. And a lot of the films that have sex in them or explicit sex, it does not become a part of the character. It stops the flow of the film. When you look at um, directors like Almovidar or Radley Metzger, I mean, the first time I watched The Image, I actually called one of my uh, friends who were older than me, and I go, did I just watch pornography? I'm not sure what this is, because there's it's made very well, and there's characters, and these sex scenes just flow into one another, and we're not just stopping to gawk. There, and there's close-up of people's faces and different camera movements, but it was pornography. Right. Look it's, at your- it's using different techniques to make it interesting. I think shooting it more, a little bit more like an action scene. Sure. Then it's kind of straight drama of well, the, the camera trick, sitting there. The trick is to to uh, if if you're going the NC seventeen route, and the thing that we've always talked about, Tom, where you know why why if we have sex in a movie, do we not see the sex? Mm-hmm. Um, is you know you don't you're trying to you don't want the people to in the middle of your movie start jacking off. Well, sure, because because <laughs> chances awkward. are they're not going to watch the rest of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, look at John Cameron Mitchell's short bus. That's, sex is so ingrained in that narrative that you, you really can't... What's the rating on that? I don't know. I want to say NC-17. There's got to be NC-17, right? There's an R in an NC-17 version. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, it's, it is surprising that it isn't... I, I think the reason why it isn't used more is because of the dismal failure of... What was it, Showgirls? Or what, yeah, whatever that movie Fanny was. Look at Alexander and whatever else. But those came before that, and... I think it was doing fine. And Love came out last year with no way. I just don't think, I don't think Americans, and I'm going to say Americans, are still not old enough to deal with it. Sure. I think think it's just the corporate distribution aspect where they're writing in, you know, if we're going to pick up your movie, you need to deliver an art cut. Right, right, right. I mean, good God, look how long it's taken comic book movies to start getting R ratings. Like, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, um, it, it just seems to me that, like, Especially as someone who works in genre, I would think that lets that cuts all of the restraints free. I can li- literally do anything because if I embrace the NC seventeen, no one's going to pull on my leg for right. too much sexuality, too much blood, too much gore. I can do whatever I want, but they seem to instead just go to the direct VOD market on that stuff now. And even then, well. Yeah, it also costs money to submit a film to get a rating. Right, mm-hmm. a lot of these movies are coming out as not rated because they're they're not submitting to the MBAA, but they're not utilizing that power. A lot mm-hmm. of stuff that I see in genre are sort of indie performances with some supernatural or blood elements. And that's they're what, not really going for it. Like when mom and dad aren't looking, they don't decide. It's like, well, we'll we're going to create something that's spectacularly gory or frightening or filled with dread. I see a lot more uh, corporate horror doing that. And are they getting theatrical releases? It depends. I mean, uh, it, uh, the stuff that I'm thinking about that, that delivers on scariness mm-hmm. would be a lot of the Blumhouse movies or the movie The Witch. 
A lot of the more indie films that are not delivering on what they define a genre, that stuff is getting such a limited release, like the 12 City release, and then VOD from stuff that I've watched. So you see them in specialized cinemas, like movies like Lore, which is this great Polish horror uh, mermaid film. You see it in a few theaters, it plays a few nights, and then it goes on to DVD, Blu-ray, or VOD. Well, look at Fred Vogel. Yeah, he made, he's made an entire career about not being a part of all of that. Sure, well, you know, I, I don't think he makes a lot of money, but I think he makes some. Well, when he delivers on the promise of horror, I mean, and then when it comes to sort of porn and erotica, I think we're talking about it's like uh, when you deliver on erotic content, can you still work within the system? And I haven't checked the box office for. Fifty Shades Grayer, or whatever the hell that thing is. Tanked. But Lisa, what do you, what do you think of it? Tanked. Yeah. So I so I don't know. What do you, what Lisa? What do you think about the attempts of those type of movies? And I want to use the word erotic, but I don't know what else to call them. It's just movies around or about sex, even though it's uh, they're very pedestrian. You think that helps the cause? Because I always felt Twilight helped the horror cause. <clears throat> Well, no, actually, I think uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, both the book and the movie, um, in terms of BDSM and kink, expanded yeah. the world just exponentially. Um, even though, you know, it's crap, a lot of it, um, it just opened up a new audience and that you can be sitting on the subway reading Fifty Shades of Grey, and that's considered okay. Right. So, My um, mother read it. By the way, Twilight fan fiction. Fifty Shades of Grey. Right. Started as Twilight fiction. So keep writing, kids. And I, I, I agree. (laughs) It's kind of like when a lot of people, a a, a lot of, a lot of, uh, when Harry Potter first came out, I remember a lot of people were kind of like, oh, that's a kids thing, blah blah blah. And it was a huge gateway for a lot of people to discover other fantasy fiction. Mm And, you know, God damn it, it got your kid to read. Right. So it was a good thing. I've always said that. that I, I applied Rowling just for getting my kid to pick a book up. Yeah. Because so, I couldn't do it at gunpoint. So as much as these folks who are, um, as much as, as Fifty Shades of Grey is crap and a lot of people like, oh, these tourists and, you know, and, and it's about an abusive, at least it's getting people to the point where they can talk about something that they may have been thinking about and never felt okay to or, talk about. Or could serve as a touchstone. I remember I interviewed Krista Faust, the writer, once, and she used to work as a pro-dom. And she had a client she told me about that got into suspension, and the nearest that he could figure it, it all stemmed from seeing Luke hanging upside down in the Hoth cave of Empire Strikes Back. Wow. As a child, that really affected him, and it sort of tweaked him tweaked the second his his perception i enough that... i i have always found that fascinating and not to the point where i've gone and talked to a psychiatrist but just the idea of where do our predilections come from do they right. come from things that we saw as children do or do we not know where they come from or is it like is it like a sexual orientation we're just born with it lisa what do you think about that? well i mean uh some people can do that, make that direct link to, oh, this incident in my childhood, or they can remember acting it out in their childhood. And then other people, I'm more like, I don't know where this came from, but I like it, and uh, I'll embrace it. It does feel a little bit like an orientation, um, 
like even watch i did go see 50 shades darker last night uh, <laughs> it's confession time <laughs> and, um and it was just a really silly movie but there were some activities where i just found myself oh i am actually getting a little turned on despite how silly this is mm-hmm. the hair pulling or you know and i don't know where that came from but um i will enjoy it yeah, right <laughs> right right and it, it depends like myself I was so severely affected when, as a child, seeing Morticia Adams, and it sort of has <laughs> e- echoed through my dating history. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you, I, I think some of it is inborn. I think some of it is what's available to you and what what sort of strikes you at the right moment. Right. Um, uh, when we were doing the magazine, we had a lot of material around that we had to be pretty careful about. Um, and uh because you had kids because i had kids right and we ended up finding that even then even though we tried so hard to keep it all sequestered you know that my son managed to get his hands on a little of it and um well sure i mean if there's if i tell you what as speaking (laughs) as someone who was a a boy if there's porn in the house your kids i can smell it yeah yeah, your kids at a certain age the kids are going to find it well it's just one of those things what we were concerned about because what was because of the nature of the magazine it was it was uh uh it was a little too deep i think sure it was it wasn't it wasn't it was was hard for him it wasn't good gateway right it was hard for him to contextualize it also moving forward um, was it in penthouse variations? No, this was all like stormy leather catalogs and mm. that kind of stuff. We used we did a goth magazine that it, it's a long uh-huh. it's a long story, but um, we were getting a lot of advertising stuff and like boxes of bondage gear would show up at the oh, house, okay. and we we're like, uh, what's that? Uh, <laughs> um, it was Carpe Noctum. It was sort of uh, a contemporary with a propaganda magazine back in the day. So that's sort of aesthetic. So fetish is fashion. And uh, I guess being a goth people, it seems, in my, well, in my life, that their gear is closer to their predilections anyway. And there's a great... And I feel they're, uh, they're, they're always advertising in their, uh, their outfits in, in some sense. I will say about one last comment about Carpet Noctum. We, we did specifically target... Tar- we were one of the first to show suspensions. We had an interview with a blood fetishist. Um, so we were, we were sex positive in a way because I think the scene was kind of sex positive. Sure. So, so it, it was accepting spun of certain, off of that. Of yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And goth still is. Goth is, is not prude like hard, like hardcore or, uh, you know, maybe punk sometimes. The punk is very drunk and wild. As you can see, there's absolutely no format. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Let's see. You you mentioned Bradley Metzger, Heather, and I want to talk about that, about the image, about some sort of second-tier films he did, like Opening to Misty Beethoven and The Private Afternoons of Pamela Mann. Um, that, I lump Metzger in with people like Von Trier and Catherine, Br- I'm going to fuck her name up, Brylette. Brylat. Okay. She did A Young Girl Romance. She did Anatomy of, of Hell, which was a quote-unquote straight film that starred Rocco Sofredi. Uh, Rocco Sofredi. Um, uh, she also did Fat Girl. Have you ever saw Fat Girl? Sure, of um, course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there, these all of the, these three people, they kind of have long through their filmography, they continually come back to this to these these topics. Um, 
Von Trier doing the Idiots, Antichrist, and of course Nymphomaniac. Nymphomaniac. Yeah, yeah. Which is, you know, and, and, you know, we were talking about a while ago the NC-17 rating and, and um, you know, how to incorporate sex in your films. I think there's a lot of movies out there that, that get it right, but they, they are almost always sex-centric. It's The movie is about sex in some way you know mm-hmm. it's it's the, the the defining elephant element of the not elephant um element of the film um but it'll be interesting I, I i'm still waiting kind of for the the action film that has the this type of a sex oh they have or, trinity or, brown oh look up <laughs> trinity brown it was uh colleen brennan jamie gillis she's a private a top private eye who well yeah but i i mean are you I, talking about something like the raid that has great sex scenes yeah that's exactly. a tough to pull up while okay. you're beating up guys down the hallway yeah you <laughs> can beat up okay i you know what i accept that challenge i'm gonna write <laughs> Oh my god! But I mean, there's been comedies. There's been. There's even been well, horror sure. stuff. And... Of course, but but exploitation comedies are something that that is quite missing. Watching something like Cinderella, right? Or or uh, was wonderful. I've seen that. Or Gums. The aforementioned <laughs> Alice in Wonderland. Well, Deep Throat is a comedy. Sure. You know. Yeah. And 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 and, and you know, and it's it's tough because. Uh, again, your 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 comedy is one of those things where it's so subjective. like obscenity. Yeah, it's You'll like know it when you see it. yeah, exactly. It's like I, you know this. Well, some... to me, it's always like a lighthearted take on sexuality, and like I mentioned, gums mm-hmm. is very lighthearted and silly. <laughs> what but not I would ever watch to get off. Mostly, a lot of this stuff is a curiosity. Right. So I like depressing things. Have you seen the period? <laughs> I have not seen the period. The period, a uh, woman gets her period and it doesn't stop for for like ever. Is that a comedy? Uh, <laughs> it's a no. It's not a comedy. It's kind of a horror film in a weird way. Hmm. Yeah. No, I have not. I have not seen it. <laughs> Give him any. Has, and and is there sex content in it? Some. I mean, you you get inherent some of it. Um, well, if she, it's not I, explicit. Well, yeah, but it's, it, it's, it's there. I, it, it sets up situations sure. where, I mean, her life doesn't stop, right? Just because she she's on her period for the whole time. I think so, positives. I think period sex positivity in mainstream film would be uh, what is that? What, what is that movie? It starts with an X. A, um, excision. Excision oh, has. Uh, Scene where she fantasizes about sex on her period. I think she mm-hmm. becomes uh, no longer a virgin by waiting for the, that time of the month and well, having at... sex with Jock Boy and I believe rubbing it on her face. Right, Jock, right, boy. Right. Jock Boy. Um, speaking of directors, are there any? There's a couple. One I really want to mention. I've been chomped that I was excited about mentioning this guy. A guy named Steven Sayadian. He, he operated under the name Rinse Dream back in the 80s. He's doing TV now, but he did Cafe Flesh, okay. uh, Night Dreams, and he also did the Dr. Caligari. Um, I want to zone in on sort of Cafe Flesh uh-huh. because that, I think, is a fine example of when this works. It's a solid sci-fi film that happens to be fueled by its sexual sort of uh, uh, engine. 
Um, it's a story of after a nuclear blast, people become po sex positives or sex negatives. Positives can have sex. Negatives get physically nauseated at another person's touch. Mm -hmm. And everyone comes to this cafe to sort of watch. They can't do anything, but they watch in right. this weird sort of thing. Um, he he's such an odd director but he seems to have his hand like right there on a lot of this stuff night dreams is the same way i would i would i would also say that um in, in a different way but uh that um cronenberg's uh naked lunch mm -hmm. uh, does a good job of presenting sexual themes within the context of this other story right look at the sexuality in things like dead ringers yeah look at society Mm -hmm. I tell people I shunt. <laughs> <laughs> that gets a little awkward. Um, also, among my crowd. Um, also, but in those names, there are things like classic names: Alex, De, um, Alex Dorenzi, Gerard Damiano, Henri Pochard. I just interviewed Ginger Lynn at Crypticon last year, and we talked a lot about these guys, Henri Pochard, and how they were. Filmmakers first and, and quote-unquote pornographers second. Sure. Um, and you can see that because there was an attempt to, to present a narrative as opposed to, again, you, you go back to that, I'm here to fix the sink kind of a thing. One of, one of the, uh, you know, this is a, 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 a little too obvious, but I think it really works. Um, Boogie Nights does, a, I think, a really good job mm -hmm. of looking at this how... Uh, how this industry developed over, you know, that especially that time of changing from film to um, to video. But one of the one of the things I think they really got right was how often these um, <laughs> companies would wind up becoming surrogate families right. for for the actors in that. So a lot of the people who are being drawn to the industry were, were, for lack of a better word, misfits in one way or another. They, 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 or failed actors. Yeah, like any any number of things, and that um, just from books I've read and interviews and stuff, that a lot of times, even even if you even if you got out of the porn industry, these people were still your family, and you still went to their house and mm -hmm. visited them and they, they became your... Well, look at the, all the people that showed up at Bill Margold's memorial. Right. There was a lot of people that were in the industry, but also a lot of people that weren't. Yeah. And, uh, I and, and, I, and I'm sorry, go ahead, Lisa. No, I was just going to say the sense of being sort of outsiders and outcasts I think creates a stronger bond. Mm -hmm. um, it's like, like a punk aesthetic. Right. Uh, here in New York, we had a Club 90. We did a tribute to them a couple of years ago. And it was Candida Royale, Annie Sprinkle, Veronica Hart, Veronica Vera, and Gloria Leonard, who oh, sort wow. of created a support group for porn workers in the 70s. And just, you know, the ones that are still alive are just these dear friends today. And, right, right. Uh, I, see that on, see. I see that on Facebook with you know, like uh, Seika Patton will say something and Annette Hines responds. And mm -hmm. it's all like, it's like old home week. You step into right. one of those threads and it's like, oh, these people have history. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are there specific titles that you would recommend that sort of fall in the line with what we're talking about? Um, in terms of past or present? Um... Either or. I just, I'm just looking to give people some 
direction on right. where, where to go uh, and look? You know, for classic porn, Radley's sort of the gold standard. Uh, definitely check out anything by him. Score, I think, is probably my favorite of his. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also want to recommend Joe Sarno. Um, he did a lot of sort of like Swedish crossover films, and he started from a film background and a little bit of the sexploitation era. But, um, I mean, for me, it's always having enough narrative in there that it keeps my interest. Mm-hmm. I, I find that more of a driving force. Um, so a little bit of story mixed in with the sex is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Are people... It, um... I, I remember it's been it's been a few years ago now, but I remember the big splash that uh, that movie um, Pirates made. You know, right. It was the most expensive um, porn movie ever made. The first yeah. film, adult film, my daughter came to me and said, "I saw this movie Pirates and it was really good." Oh, good. Yeah. So, uh, is a little disturbing. Is that is that uh, as a dad. Is that still happening, or, or was that kind of a flash in the pan? Are, is, are there companies out there? I know at one time, like, um, oh, well, Vivid. Uh, Vivid Video was doing, you know. Uh, uh, yeah, there's less and less. I mean, it was either every, everything was going really cheap and gonzo, or it was going to go super high budget like Pirates. Mm-hmm. I think that was settled out on the high end. Um, but And in terms of the stuff that comes through us, there have been a couple we've shown over the past couple of years. Marriage 2.0, mm-hmm. um, by Paul Deeb. Um, not sure what company distributed it. That's but, on Netflix. You know, huh? I, I want to say that... Marriage 2.0 is on Netflix. Is it? I want to say. Oh, it some... Yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, but just really making an effort to, you know, bring acting in and to bring a story in and to create that movie with sex in it. It's still because it was coming up, I think it was Vivid, you know, there's still the, you must have this in your sex scene and then kind of only this for X number of minutes. There's still a little bit of that feel to it, but sure. um, really made an effort to um, create that balance. Well, one so. trend I see happening a lot now is, um, quote unquote, they, they call it parody or cosplay, where it's like Batman v Superman spun through a porn lens. Sure. Yeah. Um, that's huge. There's a, there's a whole studio now that that's all they do is, is they, I had a friend who did pro Dom work and one of her most requests was Catwoman from Batman Return. As you do. Tom's like, yeah, I'd sign on for that. So what's your point? (laughs) But it's true. Only, but only Michelle Pfeiffer Catwoman. Well, stop. Yes. It was the Michelle Pfeiffer, uh, Catwoman, but I can only imagine. I can only imagine. (laughs) Uh, another director name I want to throw out there is are the Dark Brothers. Um, in the eighties, they were they had that punk sort of. I got a garage. Let's throw up some stuff on the wall and make a scene. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they did most notably New New Wave Hookers, um, which oddly, uh, what was his name? Star Jack Baker, who was in. Remember the Big Jim Slade scene from sure. Kentucky Fried Chicken? Right, right. Yeah, that guy, the yeah. guy who was the husband. Is in that, um, but they brought this whole sort of like we're cool and we're perverted and it's neat and we're having fun sort of aspect to it that I sure. thought was uh, no one was doing it at the time and it created its own little sub. Lisa, you were talking earlier about how internet porn um, 
Pornhub, uh, X videos, RedTube, these types of, of companies that, that are essentially posting links to uh, uh, scenes um, from movies is, is really hurting the, um, the industry. Can you talk to a little bit about that? Yeah, just in that, um, you know, you have these clips up there. You don't have to pay to access them. So you've got free porn. So why would you pay for porn is sort of the rationalization. So, um, and that's part of what Marriage 2.0 was trying to counter with putting more narrative in it, that it didn't really work for just a clip. So yeah, fight against it that way. Um, so, so it might be a conscious decision then if you are if you are a filmmaker looking to do this type of film to 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 try to design at least to combat that to try to design <laughs> your scenes so that they can't just be cut out and looked at right on the flip of that you've got things like Pornhub community which is user generated content yeah there's because remember everyone has a recorder on there's their phone. a huge there's a huge amateur porn. For, mm -hmm. It's not an industry because people. I don't. I, no one's making money. Right. Well, those are those are fun to watch amateur porn. Well, yeah. I mean, like, there's like I always end up looking at what's on the on the wall and yeah. what's on the shelf. It's like, ooh. It always. You know what? You know what always <laughs> they strikes have that me. Coffee maker. It. What always strikes me is I wonder, and I wonder if people think about it when they 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 get in that mood and they get the camera out and you know and they get the thrill of we're going to share this and millions of people are going to potentially see it. Like, do they pay attention to like? That they have the TV on and Family Matters is playing in the background, or and is that copyright or, infringement? <laughs> or you know, yeah, it's like you know some ridiculous song. It's like, you know, I would enjoy this a lot more as a viewer if you would turn off that yeah. damn. If it wasn't to Chicago's twenty-five <laughs> or six-two-four, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it's it's there and it's being generated, and then and that doesn't doesn't even bring in well, the, the cam sites. Well, that, right, uh, and there are, there are whole sites that are. Uh, the, the entire content is uh, amateur porn. You know, you specifically make your own porn for this website. You put it on that's your content. But a lot of those types of sites also serve as, um, for lack of a better word, meeting places mm -hmm. too. And you know, finding other people in your like right. um, a really good site is uh, FetLife, who doesn't sure. really deal that much in porn, but the, but it's a great place it's, to um, Adult Friend Finder is another one. Yeah, to, yeah it's yeah, a great yeah. place to explore what you're into talk to like-minded people uh, i want to bring up uh two titles one in the realm of the senses and two william friedkin's cruising yeah, so sometimes i resemble the bikers and william friedkin's cruising <laughs> there you go. sometimes when i'm walking through the meatpacking district at, in the winter with my mirrored glasses on and my leather jacket that's it. I'm just... I go. I, I go. Punk aesthetic takes so much from hyper masculine gay biker aesthetic. I'm going to step <laughs> away from the meat packing industry. I was yeah. just going to say, man, I love that term, meat <laughs> meat packing. That's the meat packing district. That's where they shot uh, cruising. Yeah, that's also where. City. That's also where they uh, they uh, did um, uh, the live Hedvig for many many years. Right. They're, mm -hmm. they're, Places down there. Also, where the infamous Hellfire Club was. So that right. was my first TFM club. Yeah, you 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 had gone to the Hellfire Club. I'd always heard of it, and always that in like uh, Plato's. I'd always heard about stuff, and you're like on the other coast, going, "Ooh, I want to go there." Yeah. 
<laughs> well, I mean, even I mean, today, like the big one in Vegas is the Red Rooster. Sure, sure. Uh, there's all kinds of places. Well, there's remember, one, just <laughs> about well, little, that's... too much information. But for those who who are in this area who who are looking, there's a place right above the border, just a short oh, sure. jaunt across the. There's a huge club in Vancouver as well yeah. that we went to. We went to the the. There's a big. Uh, sex positive um convention up there right um where you could sit in on um little seminars on how to give a blowjob and and it was really great it was really great uh one last thing about cruising is william friedkin but william friedkin also did boys in the band which was an important right. 60s absolutely gay identity sort of film that's it <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was on my list. That was gotta, all my... gotta get those guys um, out. Yeah, I think it was very controversial when it came out because it, it then is portraying uh, gay folks as killers. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to talk about that because so often in mainstream cinema, you're you're the the air quotes the um, the sexual deviant is the. The killer, mm-hmm. the one with the problem. The, well, look at uh, fatal attraction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, so much of that. And is that going away? I wonder, or are we still seeing? Well, I mean, because even you know, I love, uh, I love the movie Box Trolls. I love it dearly, but it bothered me that our that the that the cross dresser was the bad guy. Sure. You know, why couldn't we have a cross dressing good, good guy? guy? Especially yeah. when they were so. Um, in their in their early marketing, you know, they were you know showing you know what can be what can be apparent, and it, it might be two dads, it mm-hmm. might be two moms, it might be a dad and a mom, it might be, you know, also psycho. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and was, the sex positive impetus that, that you were referring to, Heather, that's kind of where that came from. Was early on the films we were looking for, our rules were no one could die at the end, or it couldn't be. Oh, that was just so wacky a phase we were going through. Now we're back to normal because that just seemed to you know, say that what someone's into is not the norm, is not good, and uh, just a negative message overall. So it's, it's been work to find find the positive portrayals, but they're out there. But back to the Fifty Shades of Grey thing, it brought, it, it let, you know, Susie Housewife say, I like this. Yeah. Where before all- it was just something that I, you know, they couldn't yeah. touch. I, mm-hmm. think a really, I think a really good movie that um, uh, explores sexuality and explore sexuality in outside of the hetero norm um and is just smoking hot is uh is bound I, I think film. i think a lot of people i think it doesn't get name checked enough when it's when you talk about this kind of mm-hmm. stuff and that i think heather although it's no. not it's not it's not um you can't get into it it's not explicit falls under that category you were talking about of kind of um sexy noir yeah but i can't get into it no i like you know guys in suits with like you know black uh black leather gloves like the the whole the gear (laughs) gear. again we get back to the very specific uh uh, categorization (laughs) it's just noir because when i when i think about bound as a woman to me it's you know it's a crime story but it's mostly a you know a lesbian love love story right and passed through the filter of uh, two male filmmakers at the time, male exactly. filmmakers. They've all they both transitioned since then. Which is but... which is, and I think that's another reason it's fascinating to look at it. Because... To me, it, it will always it's like male it's like male gaze first, 
uh, unrealistic lesbian coupling, and then and then crime third. I don't know. I've talked to a lot of lesbians who love that movie. They, 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 I'm they, one. They they say that they that the Wachowskis really got it right. Paying attention to things like hands and fingers and, and, sure. and stuff. See, like it's that. like you'd have to do something like Kiss of Death and kind of follow like Tommy Udo's storyline with his girlfriend. Like that's what you'd have to do. Sure. But with Susie Bright as a consultant, because that's how Bound got it right. They had Susie Bright apparently <laughs> consulting on all the sex. Right. Yeah, and and it's a great uh, great director's commentary to listen to if you, mm-hmm. if you haven't checked it out. Sure. Yeah. Uh, you said Susie Bright. For some reason, that I clicked with Suze Randall. That's another name everyone should look up hmm. as, a, as a photographer. Suze Randall did a lot of the early pictorials for Hustler and uh, brought sort of a high fashion aesthetic to all of it. Uh, I want to throw another name out there. Z- Philip Mons Zizel, The Scent of Love. Are you familiar with that at all, Lisa? No. High art stuff, very sort of music video done in the late 80s, early 90s, um, paying top flight fashion models to do adult cinema. And it's really great. It's it's uh, it's porn that for, I gave it to my gave it to my father-in-law in a weird way. I don't ask a long story, but I gave it to him and he loved it. He goes, this is like nothing I've ever seen. It's it's really beautiful at high. Um, they, it hits that everything every shot it's one of those films where every shot you can kind of pull out and put up on the wall sure yeah it's out there it's worth checking out though what was the french film you were talking about the other day um uh where the the painting zazelle yeah okay he does a paint there's a painting of a person painting a tulip on a canvas and it's only as it zooms in, you realize that there's a hole in the canvas and there's a person sitting behind it and, it, and it, they're painting on flesh. And it's beautiful. Um, lots of, you know, the fetishy costumes sure. and big tableau scenes that are have nothing to do with, there's no narrative, but it just sort of weaves this sort of dreamy spell. Kind of like a baraka of... Yeah, yeah, of, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Without all the Philip Glass music. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. It's hard no, to fuck no, to no, Philip no, Glass. Yeah. Ruins your pacing. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Keeps you like a metronome. <laughs> I'm going to laugh about that all day. That's funny. Um, where do we want to go from here? A couple of names I want to throw out. Who are not... I mean, it's so sad that so many of these... We're losing so many of these people. We just lost... We, we lost Julia Anderson, who people may know as Aunt Peg... Gloria right. Leonard has passed, Candida Royale has passed, Bill Margold, and Jenny. yet Ron Jeremy keeps on. <laughs> um, but I see that a lot of these, especially during the golden age of porn people, um, are doing now meet and greet kind of conventions. Uh, I just, yeah, I just that. Did you have, it, there's just one that's coming up recently. Uh, I know Seika Patton's there, Nina Hartley's there. Nina mm-hmm. Hartley's still doing films. Ginger Lynn is still doing films. When I asked mm-hmm. her about that, I asked why. I go, you were out, and you, now you're going back. And she goes, eh, girls got to eat. And I, I applaud her honesty. She she said, and I couldn't get laid. So I went back to porn. That's it, Reason enough. And it's, it, it's cool that um, somebody... It's cool that people are... are, are I don't know. It it just seems like whenever you say you know you got out, like it was something bad. 
you know, to right. get away from. Well, from a from a professional actor standpoint, it it, it isn't good. Well, but you how know, many? I mean, you there's know, only been a few that have transitioned, and and you know, and it's arguable as to how well their careers have. Well, done. Tina Russell, Tina Russell—that's one of the highlights. But yeah, I mean, like like Tracy Lords is always going to be relegated to a certain type of film, right? Right. And, right. And so, Tracy Lords is an excision. Yes, she is, and she does a hell of a job. That ending scene of her when she goes into the garage is yep. jaw dropping. And how good it is. And it kills me that no one calls that out. I think a lot of these ladies have arranged. One of the uh, things I always talk to Lisa about is hopefully one day I would love to create a a very strong drama with real sex elements in it. And the idea of sort of being connected to a community. Because a lot of the actresses I spoke to who do hardcore they're so interested in also dramatic roles, and it and it's not like they're going. I want to do do a dramatic role where I don't put my clothes off. It's like, wouldn't it be wonderful to do both? And right. it's like, man, we have to start writing beautiful Peter Greenaway films for everyone to be in. And a lot of them cross over. Like when I'm like Stoya, she would be wonderful. And and you can and you could play with both sides because I think it, as a human being, it's very interesting that in these art films that we sort of shy away from this sort of explicit sexuality when that's a part of the human condition, and to have actresses and artists that would love to show both, I think it's a real gift and a real opportunity. A lot of uh, filmmakers. Um, by straight filmmakers, I mean sort of like horror, drama, action filmmakers should should look for. It's like there's a lot of talent in that world and opportunity to show different narratives, show different types of human experience. Mm-hmm. So a lot of bad acts for bad acting, but a lot of it's just the production that you're just going through one take every scene. Right, right. There's not a lot of coverage. Um, mm-hmm. And they're not written and right. they're not rehearsed well, and in a different s- sort of setting. Scripts on... Well, I, the scripts I've seen on porn films will usually leave, it'll be dialogue and then a break and then they'll just say sex scene because that hap- so much is on, in the moment and on the fly, done on the fly. Um, For those types of films, but I think a, a, you know, a, good, a good director you know, is going to, um, for lack of a better word, have a blow-by-blow of what because the because I think that any exploitive scene whether it's a sex scene or a fight scene or a <clears throat> whatever it is has a story or should have a story within itself mm-hmm. um just like good sex doesn't isn't just this it's there's a there's a whole build up and there's yeah. a whole you know Tom's there's a beginning is... a middle and an end right so it's like a story I I wanted to riff off of what Heather was talking about she basically just said um uh, what she would like to see and, and like to do. Can we go around the table and talk about what we would like to see more of in in um, uh, sexy films? I'll start. Um, I would like to see more, um, and, and maybe this is just movies in general, but uh, fewer um, uh, conventionally beautiful people, like I, like you know, I, I don't, I don't necessarily, I, I, I want to see normal people engaging in these activities because that's who's watching these films, and that 
to embrace the idea that sexuality is beautiful regardless of what whether you fit uh, conventional well, standards short bus of, kind of, of did that. well short, short bus there are movies that do it but in general you 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 have these airbrushed people or you know people who spend their entire life at the gym in order to look you know a, a certain way and i think there's there's a place for that we've always had an idealized body image image in our storytelling whether it's the greek you know myths or whatever but yeah, how yeah. how how nice would it be to see um a movie like what heather's talking about and an actor who doesn't fit that that role or that that um aesthetic Okay. I sure I agree. Mm-hmm. I think that um, again, it's like with anything. If if it's moving the narrative forward, and that's the tale you're going to tell. Mm-hmm. Sure, I agree. Uh, so, what is what would you like to see happening? Um, well, I was kind of thinking on that um, Heather's breakfast analogy of shooting a scene of someone eating. Um, you don't show every single moment of that meal. Um, but I do want to see sex scenes where you see the sex. You don't have to have the whole porn 20-minute sequence, you know, because we all know that a sex scene isn't necessarily two minutes long. But in a movie sense, you know, kind of keep it at that. Mix it in with a story. I was kind of suggesting that earlier. I'm just a really strong movie with you know, compelling story, good acting, and... Um, just making the sex organic, you know, and Agreed. and not stopping the diegesis, if you will. So sure, right, um, Heather. I think people should start making more porn films for me, since David Cronenberg has moved on to make other things. So it would have to be sort of seeped in like Schopenhauer esque philosophy. Have a lot of sort of apocalyptic nihilism and great outfits, and so if anyone's interested before I could get to it, I think it'd be really, really, really fun to watch I with just aggressive I... sort of like fucking like it's the end of the world kind of deal. So I would want more sort of nihilistic philosophy in my pornography. I think that should go on your business card: nihilistic sexuality and outfits. <laughs> Uh, I don't know what I want to see, but I'll tell you what I don't want to see, and I'm really sick of seeing a couple things. Number one, facials. Can we just stop it, please? Because I got a wife who would stab me in the throat. Um, Number one. Number two, uh, I'm sorry, man. I don't know where it happened or where it came from, but it seems to be kind of pervasive in modern pornography. Spitting. Mm. Do not spit on me. Well, but you're talking about individual individual the things that turn you off no i yeah i'm saying what what do i not want to see and i don't know what i want to see i because i never know i've i've found uh effective scenes in films in the weirdest places sure um uh but with the films we're talking about there seems to be these weird trends that that come up and i don't know where they come from and i scratch my head Um, what about choking gagging sort of on the cock sort of thing that seems to be everywhere yeah, uh, you know, it just doesn't look like a good time to me, and it doesn't look like any, at least one of them, one of us isn't enjoying it. Right. Uh, I heard you think, though, that there are some women who really enjoy that, so. Yeah. And, 
the majority of women might not enjoy bukkake, but there are a few that do like it. Well, so. what's interesting in some of the... the... Well, I'm wondering what Tom doesn't like, because this is like lightning round. It's like, what Tom would Tom not <laughs> Would he not like that? Because I'm not speaking for any of us at the table who enjoy sort of like the queen alien spit that comes out from deep-throating. Mm. <laughs> oh. It's <laughs> right. Uh, what Tom might not like. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, um, it's a lot like xenomorph sex when you're doing that sort of like deep throat. Well, uh, it's like uh, the um, you'll see the with computer animation now they can they can do uh, video game scenes that suddenly turn sexual now and then sure. and, and you got the you've, if anyone's familiar with the term fudanari mm. it's a Japanese animation style um, big breasted women small waist giant cock and um, uh, it, it's interesting I mean it's well, not one of those things you go oh I mean, this again that's one well, of what those... the Japanese have right is that a lot of the ladies in Japan love the manga when boys kiss other boys and I think there needs to be a celebration it's called... of ladies who like boys that kiss other boys the, the, there should be more the, the, celebration around that what you're talking about is called yaoi it's a whole <laughs> y-o-i whole thing. whole thing it's a whole it's a thing um, two surprises um, I want to bring up also really quickly before we we're we're, we're gonna sort of I guess move on. Um, uh, Arbola is an actor who many people don't know. Did his name's Richard Kerman or Robert Kerman? Um, he was in Cannibal Holocaust. He's uh-huh. a journalist in Cannibal Holocaust. There's another example of someone who did st- quote unquote straight. Right. And also we were talking about Deep Throat. I wanted to throw out um, Harry Reams did a movie by Sean Costello called Forced Entry. It's a rough road to hoe, um, but it's important. Sure. Um, there's like one guy listening that went, hey, yeah, yeah. Four Century, I love that film. All right. Uh, some other names I want to mention were um, Seymour Butts and John Staglioni. Stagliano, I think. Buttman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huge names that were important. Um, brought it around. Yeah. All right. So, so yeah, tell me, tell it, wind us up with more about Cinecink. Where where can people go see it? Where can they get tickets? Okay, um, well, it's coming up March fourteenth to nineteenth uh, in New York. Um, the bulk of it is at the Anthology Film Archives. Uh, we have a little kickoff gala, start of the festival, then uh, four nights at the nights and all Saturday at Anthology, and then we have our awards and Afterglow play party. We're one of the few festivals that incorporates Play Party into their lineup. So, Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So after a week of sort of getting revved up, uh, get to let off some steam on Sunday night. That's um, great. We, yeah. used to, we used to vend um, back in the magazine days. We used to vend at Bonnie Jagogo in, in San Francisco. Oh. And uh, it's just great fun. Ran into yeah. the dean of students at my college there. Oh, wow. Which was weird. That's cool. <laughs> uh, hi. <laughs> um, that, that's, but, that's, so there's a whole... Are, are there collateral activities like, say, the play party, or is there dinners or lunches? or? There's, uh, you know, after parties, going out for drinks afterwards, sure. and you know, trying to give people opportunity. You know, we've got all these like-minded folk together to actually meet in real life <laughs> as opposed to on the Internet. Right. Um, yeah. So it's 
you know, it all kind of culminates in that final. So party. in other words, it's just a damn good time. <laughs> I know I'm, I'm sitting here going like go. I'm totally jealous. I want to go so bad. Why yeah, did but... you come over and come to Sin King? I've told, I've mentioned this fest to other people who run genre film fest, and they go, "I want to go," and it's like, "Come to New York City and come and come check it out." And any, because I'm a big part of the horror community, I think horror, porn, and exploit and uh, um, sort of like exploitation films is sort of the three outlaw cinema and we all have to be friends with each other and i think john waters said to paraphrase him back in the day is that the reason that you have to be friends with people in the porn industry because you have to use their mafia lawyers in case you're put up on obscenity charges <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that's so funny <laughs> so we all should know each other because that's how it was back back in the day yeah yeah. Well, it's like, Our exploitation like, porn, we're all, we're all friends with one another. So go to Sin Kink. You should be supporting your other outlaw cinema. Sex cinema. Online at sinekink.com. We're also uh, Facebook and Twitter. And that's C-I-N-E-K-I-N-K. Awesome. Excellent. Excellent. All right. All right. So we're, so we're going to put to bed <clears throat> the, the, that aspect of this show and, and move on to... Some sad news, is that correct? Well, I have a, I have a bunch of stuff that we're going to go on. Okay. Um, we'll start. <laughs> I with think we can just start with the sad news because it's hard. Uh, it's uh, it's hard for me to do the podcast knowing that Bill Paxton died today. Yes. Yeah. Uh, complications of heart surgery. Yeah. Yeah. Which is yes. odd because Michael Bain just um, I, I interviewed him recently and he was talking about doing some heart surgery as well. Well, I mean, you never know what. They are men of a certain age. What? Yeah. Well. Uh, well, sixty-one is very young. Anymore. Yeah, yeah it's sad. I, don't know. I woke up this morning. I'm 57. Well, you <laughs> I know, I was gonna die. You know, uh, we've talked about this before. Whenever certain actors pass away, it, it it resonates more than than others with the 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 populace. And this is a guy that everybody felt like they knew. Mm-hmm. He's been in everything. Great filmmaker too. Yeah, and he made the frailty man. He made frailty. He made he made. He was a co-director on the um, Fish Heads, Barnes and Barnes Fish Heads music video. So there you go. I didn't know that. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> so That's good, awesome. so goodbye, Bill Paxton, and thank you. Yeah, it, it's a drag. Uh, also passed away this week, Larry Coriel, jazz guitar player. Look him up. He's he's the fucking bomb. And uh, one of those guys like Tommy Tedesco and and the sort of Wrecking Crew that was sure appeared on everything. Right. He was a little more leaning. Um, from the studio musician leading a little more towards like a John McLaughlin kind of shredder. But sure. man, he was good. Uh, Alan Combs, political commentator, died um, fairly young. He was on Hannity and Combs. We have him to thank for Hannity. Oh, great. And then um, a name no one's going to understand, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. Leon Ware. He was a producer. He produced Michael Jackson. He produced Quincy Jones. He produced Marvin Gaye. Cool. Um, never had a hit on his own, but it, his hands were all over some major, major hits. Sure. Uh, moving on to news real quick. Um, I'll keep this short because a lot of this is nonsense. Um, DC is doing a comic book. It's a Batman Elmer Fudd crossover. Okay, just stop it. I love it. <laughs> Come on. I want to see... Oh, you're drunk. I know. Um, uh, I, I went and saw the Lego Batman movie. Yeah. Um, which mini review not as good as the lego movie but still awesome but the director they're giving him a nightwing movie okay wait uh, wait a lego nightwing movie no, or oh, okay. like a live action thing because okay. he's a huge bat nut okay 
Uh, I'm going to buzz through these. Uh, Patrick Stewart doesn't want to do any X-Men movies. Good. Can we not have any more X-Men movies? Yeah. Did, did you hear... see? Did you see the the awesome? Um, I think it was on Jules Holland. I'm, I can't remember um, him relating the story of him not realizing that he was uh, not circumcised. Graham Norton. Graham Norton. He was on Graham Norton. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was. It's an awesome story. Yeah. It, if, if you look that up on YouTube, it's, it's fun to it's fun to watch. Just subscribe to Graham Norton. Yeah, because his... it's he gets great stuff, and the reason why he gets great stuff is everyone is given a drink. And they're like, there's a couple of images or uh, it's scenes like, of Mark Wahlberg hammered. It's um, like we've had this conversation many times. Like when you used to watch talk shows, it was it, it, they were so much more enjoyable because the guests were sitting there drinking the whole time. Sure, and a weird weird interaction. What was that? She was just laughing. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, look up. Uh, go on YouTube and look up Shelley Winters Oliver Reed yeah. on the that's, Tonight that's, Show. That's it's, it's it's brilliant. Yeah. Look up Milton Berle and uh, Richard Pryor on uh, Mike Douglas Show, <laughs> where they almost get to a fistfight. Yeah. Brilliant Fun stuff. stuff. Uh, Matt Reeves is doing the Batman movie with Ben Affleck. Who cares? Okay. This this one, I don't get. They're making another Robin Hood movie. Boy. We need more Robin Hood movies. We need more Robin Hood and Peter Pan. The best movies. Robin Hood movie is Disney's. <laughs> with the I want, Fox? you know what? I want them to redo that, like with John Favreau, the way they did Jungle Book. Man, the only way they can get me excited is if they go back to the idea that Ridley Scott was looking at when he was going to make his, which was, we tell the Robin Hood story from the Sheriff of Nottingham's point of view. Sure, where it's all that wicked. Yeah, well, not even that. Oh, that I would gets, love that. That gets silly, but I mean, like, here you are, you're the lawman, and you've got this outlaw. Sure. You're seeing totally as a criminal. It would be great. I'd sure. love to see Robin Hood just get fucking slaughtered. <laughs> it's like, fuck that guy. Uh, here, here's where it gets bad. Directing by Otto Bathurst, who did some Black Mirror, and he did Peaky Blinders. Sure. Other than that, he's not done much of anything. Starring Taron Egerton from Kingsman and Jamie Foxx. Okay. There's so much about this I don't wait, care wait, about. Wait, what, wait, what's the title? It's a working title of Robin Hood. Oh, the, okay. But it's okay. supposed to be gritty. So it's kind of like Anton Fuqua's... <laughs> <laughs> gritty. Lisa, you don't seem to care about any of this stuff. <laughs> uh, and finally, Matt Ross, who did Captain Fantastic, that's up for an Oscar. That's a great movie. Has announced he's doing a version of Tom... I'm going to fuck this name up, too. Sweater Liches, futuristic thriller, Tomorrow and Tomorrow. Okay. Sort of a Blade Runner-y kind of thing. We'll see. All right. Um, some trailers that got released this week. I don't know if anyone got, got a chance to see some of these. Zombie film called Here Alone. Looks like a zombie film. Looks like a zombie film. <laughs> I like zombie films. A film you'll called like House on Willow Street, which is kind of... When I got from the trailer was a... Um, Haunted house in the in the the cla not the classic term but like the house is an evil entity in and to itself. The, it it it's it's kind of a neat it's kind of a neat idea. These guys kidnap this girl, thinking she's the heiress of this um, well-to-do family, and it's the biggest mistake they could have made because they basically stepped into the supernatural pool. Looks okay. Hard yeah. to tell. Hard to tell. Um, they released a four and a half minute sort of intro to Alien Covenant. Mm -hmm. 
and it looks great. It looks fine. Yeah, it looks great. I mean, it's it's definitely. Um, I can't help but watch some things and feel like there's some pandering going on. It's like we're, it seems like they're really trying hard to uh, to mimic that dinner scene mm-hmm. in, uh, in the oh, first with the alien. choking thing that happens. Well, just 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 the way they're gathered around the table and 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 talking and, and who knew James Franco was in this? I didn't. I didn't either. He shows up. I'm like, is that James Franco? I know that Danny McBride is, which yeah, I yeah, thought yeah. was interesting. Yeah. Hmm. There's a lot, and there's more. There's a lot of people, which there's means a, a lot of. There's gonna be a lot of death in that death movie. Dying. Yeah. And then finally, there was a. They released a, a really short piece directed by Lee Castle. It was a claymation trailer for the Velcro experiment. James Gunn produced. Yeah. Sort of battle royale. I have seen that movie, and I have to say everything from the uh, from the Tiff Midnighters. That is the one to watch. It was so much fun. Yeah, it looks like Battle Royale in a corporate environment, which I'm all for. It pretty much is. It pretty much is. And I did um I I did see the very cute claymation trailer and I think the highlight for me is seeing your Ryan logo animated yeah. claymation. Yeah, 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 that was great. That was great. Lisa, since since you're on this show, I we're gonna ask you, what is do you have a favorite horror film or a, 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 at least one that you really like? Um I'd have to go way, way back old school. Halloween or prom night. Both of those are great choices. Those are great choices. (laughs) Especially prom night. Yeah, prom nights. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one. A plus, lady. Good. I think the genre's kind of evolved beyond me. So I also live in the suburbs in a house with an attic. And so. <laughs> too much. No, what's the changeling? Oh sounds my like, god! Sounds like somebody has an escape plan. <laughs> right. uh, so, Lisa, do you have any? Has have you seen anything recently that you really like that you want to recommend? Um, well, I'm so in the midst of programming. I, mm-hmm. I off of that. Um, I spent the last two weeks just watching Cinecink screeners and MSNBC. So that's all I have in my head. And wow. Speaking well, of horror films. Right. <laughs> MSNBC, all of the media in general. Yeah. Um, so I'm just going to recommend some filmmakers that I think people should check out. Oh, please. Uh, coming out of the feminist porn world. Um, definitely we have Shine Louise Houston, who we're going to be showing Snapshot, which is an homage to Blow Up and um, other Hitchcock or Hitchcock movies. Oh, that sounds great. Nice. That sounds great. Suspense, murder, mystery, uh, set in the queer people of color world of Oakland. Um, so we'll be showing the U.S. premiere of that. So it's Shine Louise Houston. Um, also Erica Lust, Jennifer Lyon Bell, uh, and Morgana Muses. Just some names to check out. Awesome. Thank you. I'm right now. I already read and wrote them down. Heather, have you seen anything lately? Or are you just busy in production? I'm just busy in production for the Glass Eye film and then all of the various supplemental materials. I can say, as I was browsing through nominations for Rondos, some of my work is on there. All right. Um, Nice. So vote for the Thing disc and vote often. You. Uh, I'm trying to think of the last... I mean, I watched Boogie Nights. Not in... Oddly... Not in, I mean, you know, for the hundredth time, not in preparation for the show. Just uh, Jennifer had never seen it, and so we 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 sat and and watched Boogie Nights. I did watch um, Swiss Army Man. 
Oh, right on. Yeah. I have that right over there. I haven't seen it yet. Which is, uh, I don't know, and, and I, I, I hesitate to talk about it, because I think I talked about it last week. I think on you the did. Show. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, beyond that, it's just been work, 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 work. Okay. Me- How was Army Man? I did not watch, I did not listen to our last episode. I just felt like I wasn't inspired to watch it. Mm. Dude. I be? Watch it. It's, it's, it takes this ridiculous premise, and I'm there. it makes you... It makes you care. It's really, really cool. It's really right good. Right on. It's nuts. I mean, it's absolutely nuts. But it's. You know, I like nuts. Yeah, you'll, it, it's fun. Daniel Radcliffe, Radcliffe is, is is great in it. Mm-hmm. And it's not just it's. They give him more to do. He's. It's not a weekend at Bernie's. He's not literally just flopping it's around. Furniture. He, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, me, I'm continuing on with the 366, uh, 365. Uh, there's not a lot here that's worth talking about. Uh, I re- uh, Daughter of Darkness. I rewatched Vampire Circus, a film called Cargo. By the way, Vampire Circus, a sexy vampire movie. Yeah, all that Ingrid Pitt stuff. Yeah. Is, is that I'm a fan. Um, something called Lost Tribe. There was a film from the early 70s called Goodbye Gemini. Um, Acolytes, the parking lot movie. But uh, Lego Batman, I want to go back to. Uh, it's awesome um, in that I didn't know that every single thing I forgot about it in the Lego movie every single thing is Legos so like when an explosion happens the fireball sure. it's all Legos right. and the, the attention to detail the depth of reference if you're a Bat fan there are things in there that you can't even believe Very guys cool. just wander by and you're like hey you know I know this is a character flaw on my part, but I don't watch those movies because they don't really make them with Legos. They sh- they should be stop motion, damn it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lego movie is solid. I know. I, I mean, know. you walk out of that and you you you're, you have warm cockles. Sure. I'll say that. I like I, warm cockles. I also want to recommend real quickly, um, I just finished Joe, uh, th- these are books, Joe R. Lansdale's Rusty Puppy is fucking awesome. Cool. It's a Happen Leonard book. It's, um, it just... I read it in a day, the book in a day. I buzzed through it because it's such a enjoyable space to be in Good. with his language. Right now, I am just started uh, uh, former guest Brett Savory, his book, A Perfect Machine, and it's bananas. Something about a runners that run every night and the hunters that hunt them through the city. Cool. They shoot them, kill them, I guess, and they, mm-hmm. they're brought back. They re- regenerate. And only run again, and it's it's some solid stuff. I'm not too deep into it, but I like I like Brett's style. Very cool. Um, I I just started reading Rome, my buddy Eric's third. Book, oh yeah, yeah. And uh, and it's I'm I'm really digging it. Uh, I, I'm digging it more than than the the, the previous two. So uh, I I think he's getting better and better. So it, it, folks should check that out. Right on. Uh, plugs, Lisa, hit us one more time. Uh, Cynic Inc. NYC happening March 14th through 19th. You can find us at cynicink.com. C-I-N-E-K-I-N-K. Awesome. And you said that that you do have a touring show. I I assume that happens after the big show in March. In a couple months, sort of regroup. And uh, we take uh, the Best of Cynic Inc. Shorts program, um, which every year is just phenomenal. Um, and then sometimes a tour also with one of the award-winning features. So we hit up very West Coast, various West Coast cities, a couple places here, Chicago. So, do you do you travel with the with the films or is you? Is um, 
I generally do to protect it. I'm kind of looking at trying to expand that a little bit. Right. Let them see the world more. Are you going to be in Seattle? Um, I hope to be. Okay. So I'm working on that. Yeah, let us know. I'd love to come down there. Yeah. That would be great. be awesome. Well, uh, Heather, you're, you're, you're working on red shirt and glass. I am yeah. working on, uh, working on red shirt stuff for Wellgo, finishing up the phantasm discs. Uh, I, I, rec- I recently, uh, through the, uh, help of, uh, crowdsourcing was able to save a Vestron title coming out, which I'd be able to talk about later when it, um, is officially announced and so much stuff for Kino and none of that stuff's announced, but a lot of it is dealing with, um, high def transfers and then you know do they do we keep the high def transfers or do they do they get rescanned uh does the 35 millimeter get rescanned by the studios so it's a it's a very fascinating job that i have at Aquino, other than sort of reaching out pitching and making everybody happy it's just sort of because it's you're right on the front lines of a distribution company and just figuring out you know how the high high def masters worth work the scans work how to get everyone together. So that, that's what I'm doing there. I have some great titles. I have a two, I have at least four amazing legendary directors that I have to reach out to, which I'm, I'm excited about. It's cool. Every week cool. I get, I get those like, I want to know what she's working on, yeah. but you can't you, what are you doing? Um, just got done taking a look at the final cut of, uh, the first, uh, bleeding ham TV episodes looking fantastic. I'm really pleased with it. Can't wait to share that. Um, gearing up for Bleedingham General, figuring out exactly what all we're going to do this year. Um, I'm working for a place called VFX Foam. We build giant foam statuary and decorations for theme parks, uh, paintball places. We're doing an escape room. It's very, very interesting. A lot of uh, ancient Egyptian stuff. I'm covered in foam every day. Right it's on. Awesome. Uh, me. Uh, but buy my books. Um, no flesh shall be spared is at Amazon. The collection Midnight Serenades is um, up at Amazon. I've just closed the next collection called The String of Pearls at seventy four thousand words. Yep. And uh, you know this, not sort of. No one else does. I'm gonna announce it here. Uh, despite all my bitching and whatever. As soon as uh, String of Pearls is done, I'm going to start. No Flesh Shall Be Spared. Don't look back. Yes. Uh, artwork on the cover is already done by Mr. Langley here, and it's stunning. So um, uh, I'll hip you to this. If you've ever seen uh, if you've ever seen the movie The Condemned with um, Stone Cold Steve Austin, yeah. <laughs> you kind of... Th- Match that up with the first book, and you kind of got what's going on. It Very cool. takes place on a tropical island. I'm excited. Um, and it's essentially, we're going to drop you at point A, and you get to point B in 24 hours. Um, and by the way, there's about 4,000 zombies between you and that. Um, so, so Cleese fans take note. Cleese fans take note. So that'll, I'm hoping that that'll be out at the end of the year. So, Lisa, thanks again for coming on. I, I really want to come see you guys if you guys are in Seattle. Yeah. So please let us know. So, for the Bonus Material Podcast, I'm Tom Carnell. I'm Heather Buckley. And I'm Lisa Vandiver. Yay! And I'm Langley West. Stay scary, folks.